Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Know It All, the ABCs of Education. Make sure you listen to us live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. or at any time from the comfort of your computer at www.blogtalkradio.com slash knowitall. At Know It All, we have candid conversations about the education issues that impact your community and the real-life solutions to education issues that you face every single day. We aim to make you a know-it-all about education law, policy, and practice as it affects you. I am your host, Allison R. Brown of Allison Brown Consulting, ABC. I'm a civil rights attorney with expertise in the laws that require equity in public education, regardless of students' background or characteristics. Keep up with me at allisonbrownconsulting.com. My guest host today is the lovely Alexis J. Smith of Entitled to Educate. Good morning, Alexis. Good morning. She is a community engagement and parent empowerment specialist. Check her out at entitledtoeducate.com. Today we're going to talk about family and community engagement in schools. Research has demonstrated that effective parent engagement can significantly improve academic achievement in schools. Federal law actually reflects the societal goal of engaging parents and families in the education of their children. For example, uh, the No Child Left Behind Act requires that all schools that receive what are called Title I funds from the federal government or those schools with a certain number of disadvantaged students and students living in poverty develop a school parent compact. Parents have to help develop the school parent compact and must approve the final version of the compact, which is a detailed partnership plan between schools and parents to support student academic achievement. Additionally, the U.S. Department of Education funds Parental Information and Resource Centers, or PERCs, that are focused exclusively on parent education and empowerment. You can find more information about parent involvement as a federal initiative at www.ed.gov. Engagement actually means that parents and families are viewed as meaningful partners in their children's education. So the input of parents and families is sought by schools, and parents and families contribute time, energy, and resources to support their children's academic success and to support their children's educators. When we talk about families, we typically are talking about parents, moms and dads in the traditional sense, but we also know that we have grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and siblings, older siblings raising children and helping to raise children. So we talk about parents and families and how they can be involved in their children's education. I think about engagement as more than kind of a a typical stop-in for parent-teacher conferences and student presentations, but... um, more involved and more active in the actual education of children. Um, so what what is the first step in effective family engagement? I think that's easy, discussion. We are very, very excited to have on the show today Natalie Hopkinson, Ph.D. Dr. Hopkinson is a journalist, book author, and fellow with the Interactivity Foundation. The Interactivity Foundation, or IF, is a nonprofit and nonpartisan organization that initiates and supports democratic, lowercase d, discussions of public policy issues. At Natalie's direction, the foundation has launched If Urban and recently hosted a series of presidential debate discussion groups before each presidential and vice presidential debate this campaign season. Let's listen to a clip. Welcome to the IF Podcast. I'm Natalie Hopkinson. One thing we've learned in this election is that discourse matters. 
it can have a big impact on a democratic process. And this is one of the goals of the IF Urban Initiative. It started in early 2012 as a partnership between IF and Howard University Alumni Association. Let's head over to Shea Billy in Washington's Petworth neighborhood and listen in. Wanted to thank everybody for coming out to the Interactivity Foundation IF Urban Debate Watch. I'm Natalie Hopkinson and I'm a fellow with the Interactivity Foundation. Just really briefly, the Interactivity Foundation is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization that's based in Parkersburg, West Virginia. And the work of the foundation is actually what you guys were just doing, which is doing small group policy discussions. At each of your table, there's been a facilitator that's been sort of leading the discussion, and we've actually been doing this all year long. If discussions, we aim for civil, engaged discussions where people explore policy possibilities generated in reports edited by IF fellows. As the election season comes to a close, I'd like to emphasize that for IF, talking about the public decisions we make as a society is not something that only happens when election is coming up. We do this day in and day out. And now IF is bringing its democratic public discussion model to schools. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning, Allison. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Well, we I've had the privilege and the, the honor of participating in IF discussions as a facilitator and observing uh, people with very, very different ideas of how the world should operate come together and, and build and discuss and, and converse respectfully with one another. Can you tell us a little bit about IF and how it came to be? Sure. Um, IF was actually a project of a, a businessman in West Virginia named Jay Stern, and he believed that many of the problems that our country faced could be solved if we could have an opportunity to, to get together and, and sort of explore a broad range of, of policy possibilities. So he uh, endowed the foundation in uh, Parkersburg, and fellows um, that are spanned all across the country have been carrying out this mission by setting up discussion groups, um, setting up discussion series, and also generating materials for um, for for the public that are available to the public, so they can set up their own, have their own discussions. Well, what is when we talk about democratic discussion with a lowercase d? What is democratic discussion? What does that look like? Well, with the lowercase d, it's actually, you know, the idea is that it's, you know, we're very nonpartisan. So we're really looking at seriously engaging with uh, progressive ideas and seriously engaging with um, more conservative ideas as well. And so, you know, it's it's a it's a setting where everyone has a voice, everyone's opinion matters, and because there we we intentionally set these groups up as small, you know, maybe six to eight, maybe ten would be a large group that we do, so that everybody really gets an opportunity to share their opinions and seriously give thought to to ideas that maybe they disagree with, um, but you know that that could be useful for our society to consider for our society to move forward. So, Alexis, in your work with and for parents and families, what do you hear about parent involvement and family engagement? Well, you know, Allison, I think more often than not, conversations about parent involvement and parent engagement tend to center on the challenges. Um, you know, those challenges in some cases can be, you know, broadly applicable and in other cases very unique to certain communities. But, you know, the primary ones are, as you mentioned earlier, that of time, 
or lack thereof, both on the part of um, the parents or caregivers and the school. There are, of course, uh, challenges with, you know, cultural competency issues and, you know, social factors that uh, certain families and schools are susceptible to. And then, you know, school policies and how they are framed and then ultimately impact families and students. I think that, you know, as we promote parent involvement as a means to inform uh, parent engagement as a means to include parents that, you know, we should also um, gear our focus to promoting a mindset of authentic parent empowerment, you know, as a means to motivate. I think we can motivate parents um, with an understanding of their value and the strength that they hold as it relates to increasing student achievement. I think that's an approach that um, conversations are beginning to embrace, and um, I think that in doing so, you know, we'll begin to see um, an increased focus on parent empowerment as, you know, one of the more successful approaches. And, you know, Natalie, it makes me want to pose a question to you, you know, as it relates to communities that are thriving um, with their initiatives to involve, engage, and empower parents, you know, how can these programs or these groups sustain and expand on the impact that they're making? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, you know, just listening to you, one of the the notes that I sort of zeroed in on is, you know, you're talking about parents meeting in the context of challenges, you know, Mm -hmm. and in many of our communities, you know, the challenge, well, actually, regardless of where, where you fall on the SES scale, there are always going to be challenges. And so, you know, there's something about when you you gather parents around to say, all right, we're going to solve this problem. We're going to mm-hmm. fix this challenge. You know, like it, it sort of sets up kind of an adversarial vibe. Exactly. And right. something that if tries to do is we really try to keep our discussions on the conceptual level. And so we're not specifically saying, okay, we need to solve this particular problem right now, but we want to engage constructively together in talking about solutions, talking about really broadly, what is it that we want from an education? You know, what type of education do you want for your child? What was your experience, you know, growing up? And what things did you like about that experience? What would you like to replicate? What would you like to change about that? Um, So I think that that sometimes when you kind of abstract it a little bit and bring it on the conceptual level, it really helps to diffuse some of the tension. And people are just sort of, you know, and often, we, you know, we're breaking bread. You share a meal with someone, you know, it's very hard to be, you know, angry, (laughs) angry at them. And, you know, it's sort of developing that rapport. That's something that you can build on. Okay. I think that's that is um a a key point to make and that is that I think if in the schools makes sense because we are so often dealing with our children and that is so that's an, a very emotional and can be a very very charged um conversation when talking about our children and I think what if does very effectively is to remove that emotion um for for the most part and really make sure that we're focusing
standing on our common ground and what do we want to achieve for the betterment of our children as a collective, all of our children, um, and how can we make sure that our children are reflective of what we want from our society and what we want to represent in the world. So I think, um, you know, it, it it is a very effective way to make sure that we're in a, a, a level of understanding with one another, even though we may not have the same perspectives or the same opinions about how we're rearing one another's children. Um, so, Natalie, tell me how you envision seeing if and the if democratic discussion model in education and in schools. Well, you know, it's it's an area that we're now starting to explore. I mean, we started, you know, with ABC's help, um, we started doing, we actually did a uh, future of K through 12 education discussion um, with a uh, bilingual Spanish bilingual school, and so we had a bilingual discussion. Um, and what was really amazing about it was, you know, we were having these kind of conversations where we're talking about, um, you know, not just I and my child, you know, but we're talking about we. What do we do as a collective? What do we want as a collective? And, you know, across language lines, you know, we what we really saw was that there's so much more in common. You know, we all want kids to be creative. You know, we all want them to have fulfilling lives. You know, we all want them to be tough, you know, and to have what, you know, that Paul Tuff has this, this, um, this new book that sort of talks about um, the grit scale, you know, we all want them to have grit. We want them to have book knowledge. You know, we want them, we don't want them necessarily to be prepared um, in the same way that we were because society has changed too much. So, you know, um, you know, I think well, the thing about uh, doing kind of if-style discussions, it sort of is, it's it's a non, um, like it's <clears throat> it's kind of a non-linear process and it allows us to sort of deal with a lot of the contradictions um, that we're all living with as parents, as educators, um, you know, as administrators. So, um, you know, we're hoping to, to do more setting up these small group discussions and, you know, and, and of course getting lots of feedback from parents. I mean, the feedback that we've gotten so far has been amazing. I mean, parents, you know, they're they're getting to know each other in ways that they hadn't been able to. Like, you don't really get to know that other person at the PTA meeting. You know, you're all sort of playing whatever role you're playing. You know, and that's if you make it to there. And, and I mean, PTA meetings are very intimidating places for a lot of parents. Um, and so, you know, I think it sort of brings kind of a human uh, a human element to this these discussions um i'm sorry to the to the whole experience of, of having our child children educated that's right uh, as a reminder, you're listening to Know It All, the ABCs of Education here on Blog Talk Radio. I am Allison Brown, and my guest host is Alexis Smith, and we are with special guest Natalie Hopkinson of the Interactivity Foundation. Uh, Natalie and I have been working together, um, the Interactivity Foundation and Allison Brown Consulting have been working together to bring this democratic discussion model to schools and make sure that parents are um, at the table for some of these larger reform conversations. Um, and so because IF is a very uh, conceptual um, project and, and its program is very much um, in the abstract and, and parents can really sit and engage with one another on a, on a theoretical level about what education is and should be and what it should be in their respective environments, 
um, ABC then, you know, with my expertise, I can come in and, and make sure that parents are um, included in the recommendations that I make ultimately to school administrators about how to move forward and how to how to kind of advance the ball for all of the children in the building. Um, and this is, I think, in in keeping with what has been a a federal push of late to make sure that that parents are included in conversations that parents are engaged that um parents are included as part of the overall school community and and um included as educational partners and um you know Arnie Duncan is the secretary of education and um it, it appears that he will remain in that role for the next 4 years and he is one of the few cabinet members that we are pretty certain will stay there for the next 4 years and he has spoken uh on numerous occasions when he was chancellor of schools in Chicago and now as secretary of education about the need for parental engagement in schools. And um, shortly after he was named Secretary of Education, he spoke to the National Parent Teachers Association about um, parent involvement and in a speech called Beyond Bubble Tests and Bake Sales, went went on to talk about how parental engagement is important and everyone think, thinks of it as uh, a laudable goal and something that we should all be seeking, uh, but not many people know how to do it and know how to do it very well. Um, And he says, you know, I I will quote him, he says, my vision for family engagement is ambitious. I want all parents to be real partners in education with their children's teachers from cradle to career. In this partnership, students and parents should feel connected and teachers should feel supported. And then he went on to talk about a blueprint of of, uh, parent involvement and parent engagement. Um, and he's acknowledged that, you know, it's hard to sometimes define effective parental involvement. And I, I believe that this is partly because there is no one-size-fits-all. School populations are different. Parent and family needs differ. Um, it also is because it can be very difficult to define and implement boundaries that allow for meaningful educator-family partnerships and also allow for educators to have the room they need to teach and families to give families the room that they need to maintain their culture and upbringing for their children. Alexis, how do you think that schools and families can set boundaries so that educators can fulfill their responsibilities in the classroom and parents can keep what works for them at home without feeling judged? Yeah, that, that's a tough one, Allison. Like you said, you know, there is no uh, one-size-fits-all. There's no cookie-cutter solution, you know, that can be applied across the board. You know, I, I tell my children all the time that, you know, teachers and, and parents are, are people, too. You know, which of course makes us imperfect, and the relationship between us all, you know, one that that fluctuates. Um, one of the strategies that Entitled to Educate looks to employ and encourage is for parents to start with setting boundaries at home and with the child. Um, this tends to make the power play between the adults a little bit less intense. Um, teachers are authority figures, parents are authority figures, but not of each other. You know, if parents are uh, empowered and encouraged to start at home with their children uh, developing a strong and sincere respect for themselves and for authority in general, you know, that mindset carries over into the school and other community environments. Certainly that's something that, you know, is better achieved, you know, when you start young, but it's never too late. And as you increase the respect that your child has for um, his or herself, 
and the respect that they take into school and in dealing with teachers and other authority figures on site, our parents may then find themselves less intimidated. Um, and as Natalie said, uh, they find the relationship less adversarial um, if they are able to consistently enforce what we call mega skills at home that prepare their students to be ready learners. Uh, likewise, you know, teachers, I think, um, can help with not crossing boundaries um, as gray as those areas may be by focusing their critique, uh, their feedback, even their positive um, acknowledgments and reinforcements uh, on the concepts that are related specifically to you know, in-class education, you know, not judgments of character, not judgments of personality, not comments on clothes and other outward appearances, keeping them relative to coursework. And as discussions about um, other areas become necessary, then to reach out on a case-by-case -case basis directly to parents and try not to make, uh, not try not to use the students as an intermediary. Try to take your conversations directly to parents from the school and schools. You know, uh, parents, you don't want to be talking about uh, your child's teacher in a negative light to your child. Take any issues that you have directly to the school. And the, uh, I think in doing so, you create a stronger foundation of what basically is an evolving relationship. It's not going to be something that you're able to draw a, a pretty circle around and, and etch it in stone because the relationship is not static and the success is going to be built on that of, of mutual respect. Excellent. So, Natalie, how do you think that we bridge what seems to be a divide between parents and teachers who mostly share the same positioning and the same goals for children? Yeah, I mean, I think that... <clears throat> You know, it's sort of like, you know, when you're when you're trying to explain, you know, the, or when you're trying to set rules or set boundaries for anyone, you know, it helps to have a discussion around <laughs> around what the rules and why they're there and why the boundaries are important. I mean, I think that's the only way you can kind of get buy-in from parents. You know, is if you if you have a you know if everyone has a conversation about well, you know, what the needs are and realistically you know, who's going to be carrying out what. I mean, there's there's a reason why, um, you know, administrators do their jobs and, and you know, you know, parents have busy lives outside of their kids' schools as well. And so, like, it's you're asking for dysfunction if, if people are kind of slipping over or people are sort of undermining. But I think when you have a clear discussion about, well, what are the goals? Um, you know, what, what do we want from an education? You know, and that's not just – you know, and that sort of goes beyond just the grades or, you know, what will, you know, how they'll do on a test or anything like that. I mean, it, it goes for behavior. Um, you know, it goes for, like, how they how children manage their relationships with other children. And so, you know, the, the if mantra is that, you know, you really get there by just by starting with conversations, you know, um, on the conceptual level, and then you can sort of um, – drill down on where the specifics are in a way that people are buying in to what their roles are. So there are there tend to be a lot of um 
uh, fads in education, right? You you hear a lot of buzzwords in education, and a lot of things are tested and experimented with in education. Is this a fad, Natalie? Is this a democratic discussion? Is it that, or is it is it a real? Is it a genuine product? And and is it um, real? And how do we know that? Well, I think that it it is real in that it's sort of time tested. Um, you know, we have a lot of like wonderful new communication tools. We have email, we have Skype, we have phone, we have all these things. But, you know, there's nothing like good old fashioned face to face um conversation. I mean it's not a new it's not a new idea or a new concept, but it's definitely, you know, as our time is pressed, it's something that we've really gotten away from. Um, so, you know, we're thinking, you know, I don't see it so much as a fad as something is like sort of a reassertion of, you know, some of our, our core values and how we communicate and how we interact with each other. Um, is it's, it's sort of kind of a throwback, <laughs> you know, to, to a, to a previous time. Um, but of course, you know, everything is just more complicated now. So um, that means I think the discussions will be more complicated. They'll go in in a myriad different directions. And, you know, I think it's something that, you know, will help. It's something that can help everyone, you know, inside the classroom, inside the school building, outside the school building. I mean, people, Americans need to just talk to each other face-to-face. And so much of our, um, you know, so much of our challenges that we have in our uh, in our country could be solved if people just had an opportunity to talk to each other. Well, I I couldn't agree with you more, and I'm very excited about the ABC IF partnership, and and happy to be bringing democratic discussion to schools and bringing parents to the table. Dr. Natalie Hopkinson is a fellow with the Interactivity Foundation. Her latest book, Go Go Live: The Musical Life and Death of a Chocolate City, is available now in stores and online. Follow her on Twitter at Natty Natty Rankins or at her website www.nataliehopkinson.com. Thanks so much for joining us, Natalie. Even though I know you're not feeling well today. <laughs> Thank you so much, um, Allison Alexis. I I love the show and I really love that what you're doing. I mean, it's. Um, it's so important. So thank you for what you're doing. Sure, and many thanks to our audience for joining us today. I, of course, want to thank my wonderful guest host, Alexis Smith. Alexis, do you have any parting words for, for parents and community members? Uh, just be empowered. Be empowered. You know, we're going to work together to find ways for that empowerment to come to you. But in the meantime, uh, find that empowerment within yourselves. Uh, think about your experiences as students, and as Natalie uh, said earlier, figure out how you can translate those positive experiences to your children and correct those experiences that may have been negative uh, in your your childhood and in your schooling. Develop confidence, motivation, respect, all the things that we don't need to learn in a, in a school course book uh, to help raise our children to be effective learners and uh, contributing community members. Wonderful. So you are now officially certified know-it-alls on the democratic discussion process in education. Go forth and share. Have a wonderful week. We will be here same time next week, next Tuesday at 10 o'clock a.m. on Blog Talk Radio, where we will discuss special education. We're going to wade into the complicated web that is special education and the laws that govern special education in our schools and what it means for our students um, and what parents and community members should know and educators should know about special education. Um, 
Remember to follow Know It All, the ABCs of Education on Blog Talk Radio. Follow me at Allison R. Brown on Twitter and find ABC on Facebook and read my blog at AllisonBrownConsulting.com. Thank you so much for, for joining us.